this prayer list up here and we've been praying over this thing and so I, I was looking at some things over the week and and so I, I, I ran across this just reading. I was actually reading for another purpose and came across this and I thought I would uh, say some things about this tonight. So Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, a lot of times you pray and you wonder. You really don't want to wonder if God's going to answer your prayers because you want to feel like you got some faith. Amen? Yeah. But sometimes you pray and you wonder if I'm doing it right. Or maybe did I pray how I ought to pray or, yeah. or whatever the case is. So let's go over a few things about prayer tonight and just show you the different kinds of prayer that there is. Not necessarily going to tell you how, how to pray, but tell you the different kinds of prayers that there are. And then once you pray, you can kind of figure out what you're doing or whether or not you're doing in an acceptable way to God and and first thing that you got to realize is is the Bible says that God uh, looks toward the contrite in heart the humble man so if you're praying out of just uh, the fact that you think you deserve a thing or I'm just going to ask God he's just going to give me this thing well that's not going to that's that's not going to fly with God you need to pray uh, with submission of course and you need to pray uh, there's several different ways that you can pray and we're going to look at those tonight amen and then really what you ought to do is is you can pray about a lot of things amen you can pray uh, you can pray for you know to find your car keys or you can pray about your finances and there's a lot of things you can pray about and then some things you, you know you don't want to pray about you don't want to you know really uh some things well you might pray about them but god don't really care about them amen a couple of times today i thought about praying for the cowboys but they didn't they didn't win but at any rate at any rate i don't i don't pray over football games amen and football a lot of pride involved in football and stuff like that so i'm i'm not going to ask god to be an accomplice to anything amen especially something about pride whoever wins wins amen but there are some times when i felt like praying for the sorry old uh, cowboys but anyway Anyway, uh, some things I don't pray about like that. But listen, if it involves my life, it, it involves my family, involves my home, I don't think there's no limits and no boundaries to prayer. Now, if you think you can get away with praying for football games, you go ahead and do whatever you feel like doing. And uh, But it, at any rate, uh, let's, uh, let's look at these things in Ephesians chapter 6 and just see what God has to say about prayer. And if I was you, I would pray, I would pray earnestly and I would pray honestly and I would pray about about things that matter like I say football games don't matter don't matter who wins and who loses and you say well brother Mike what if I bet $500 then it matters well you don't supposed to be betting as Christians amen you're not supposed to be gambling all that stuff Uh, know this is a message about prayer and so you know I don't know how it got on gambling but you're not supposed to be gambling and playing the lottery and Amen. All sorts of things like that. Maybe I, I wanted to say what how how that come across. Amen. Just you know, recognize that you know there's some things that's not supposed to be prayed about because not supposed to be doing. Amen. Lord, please let this last number that I scratch off be the right one. Now God don't care about that. See, God don't care about that. And so some things you're not going to get an answer for in prayer. And so you ought to pray about things that matter and pray about things. That, of course, uh, if you think about that, that might be a good way to categorize things so that you know your prayers are get answered just put the things in a list of things that God cares about or well, does God care about the church 
Well, certainly then it'd be a good idea to pray about the church. Does God uh, care about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation of souls? Well, then certainly He would He would answer prayers along those lines. And so it, whatever you pray for in the will of God, and if it is God's will, then the Lord, I believe, will hear and answer those prayers. And uh, so there's a lot of things that can be prayed about. If you're sick, go ahead and pray for healing. Amen. There's nothing wrong. You know, some people might get the idea, well, this is what God wants for me. Well, if it's what God wants for you, then God's not going to change it anyway. Amen. So go ahead and pray that God will heal you. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we pray and ask for God's will to be done when somebody needs to be healed. And Lord, just do whatever you want. We pray that way. But there's nothing wrong with go ahead and pray for God to heal them. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, You praying that some people say, well, asking God to heal somebody is selfish. We ought to just pray that God's will be done. And I understand the concept of that. But there's nothing selfish about wanting to uh, pray that God's uh, that God would heal somebody. Uh, nobody came, brought sick people to Jesus and said, now, Lord, if, he said, now, you know, if you, uh, uh, you can let this person suffer if you want to. No, that's not. They said, Jesus, heal them. And Jesus put their hands on them and heal them. You're supposed to bring things to, to Jesus. Amen. The natural position in life is to be well. Amen. Sickness is a is a thing that regards sin has to do with sin and different things like that. If there wasn't no such a thing as sin, nobody would be sick. So the natural condition of man is to be well. So of course you can pray for somebody to be well. And if you pray that somebody's sick, like we've been praying for Brother Louis, you don't have to feel bad about asking God to heal them. And of course we want God's will to be done. And, and God has a will about people's life and death and different things like that. But there's nothing wrong with praying to ask God to heal somebody. If you need money, there's nothing wrong with asking God to give you some money. Nothing wrong with that at all. God help me out in these things. And of course, uh, you know, if now if you sit at home, you never work, never do nothing. You expect God to do some things. Now God expects you to do some things. And so just keep in mind that everything that's right and good is okay for you to, uh, to pray about. And so there are some different ways to pray. And we could talk about things to pray for all night. People getting saved, uh, money, finances, homes, uh, the well-being of our house and home. Uh, help me do this or help me do that. There's a lot of things we can talk about. But let's talk about just a few ways to pray tonight. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 6. And since it's part of this uh, armor of God, let's go ahead and read the whole thing there in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So as Paul is closing out the book of Ephesians here, he's going to tell you some, way to be, some ways to be strong. And if he just ended the chapter in verse 10 and said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, might be kind of hard for you to figure out what he's talking about. Well, how do I be strong? What is God's might? Well, if he would have left it that way, it would have been kind of confusing. But the rest of the chapter here here tells you how, what his might is, what his power is, and how you to be strong, things, ways that you can be strong. And so he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So this armor of God includes the power. If you want to be strong in his power, if you want to be strong in his might, then you're going to have to uh, uh, take part in this whole armor of God business. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. If you want the power of God and the might of God, then you're going to have to know something about the truth. You're going to have to study the Bible. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to find out what things are true and what things are false. So the truth, there's power in truth. And so what you want to do is stand up for the truth, learn the truth, hide the truth in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And once you know what the truth is, stand for it. Look what he says again in verse 13, that last phrase. Having done all to stand... Stand therefore. Well, if you've done everything for a particular reason, and in other words, in this case, you're putting on the armor of God that you might stand. So once you've got it on, stand. A lot of people, they say, well, I'm going to go ahead and get saved. I'm going to go ahead and get baptized. Well, what would you do that for? To live the same old life you've been living? No. You got saved to live a Christian life. You got saved to stand for Jesus because Jesus has stood for you. Amen? Amen. Jesus died for you. Now you put your life down for Him. You lay your life down for Him. So he said, now don't just learn the truth and then close your mouth. You learn the truth, speak the truth. The Lord said, freely you've received, freely give. And so he said, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, just do right things. And it, the breastplate of righteousness. Some people could say that's God's imputed righteousness when you get saved. But I don't believe it is. I believe doing right things pr- provides you with an armor against this world. It's a breastplate of righteousness. Protects your heart. Doing the right things and doing the right things in repetition kind of makes a habit out of things. When you get used to doing the right thing, it's easy easy to do the right thing or I should say it's easier to do the right thing now if you've been used to doing things wrong then when you decide to do things right there may be some difficulty there because you're not used to doing it that way or maybe if you do it the right way somebody who normally hangs around you because you do the wrong things now they might laugh at you and make fun of you and all those things are temptations in the flesh but he says have on the breastplate of righteousness put on the armor of doing right and so when you uh, have the armor of doing right, when what that is is because you've been doing right all along. Now, when it comes time to do right again, well, you're already in the habit of doing it. Now, you get on down in the Scripture and it says the helmet of salvation. Now, I do believe that is the imputed righteousness of God. God has, give, God has protected you by His salvation. And that, of course, it comes from the head. Talking about Jesus Christ being the head. But at any rate, this right here, this breastplate of righteousness, I certainly I do believe that that is doing right things yourself. Amen. And so he says, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so your feet ought to always be ready to go, to go. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So your feet, he says, to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that just means you're to be prepared. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. But you know, the winning of souls really doesn't uh, hinge on what you do. You can tell somebody about Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean they're going to accept it. So you're to be prepared with the gospel of peace. You're to open your mouth with the gospel of peace. But it's up to them whether or not they can accept the gospel or reject the gospel. That's up to them. So you're to always be prepared. Amen. And usually prepared people act. 
You catch somebody unprepared and they may not act. They may not respond. But you catch somebody prepared, then usually you're going to get the, the, the correct response out of them. So always be prepared. Always pray about it before you leave your house. God, if you want me to say something to somebody, uh, give me the boldness and give me the strength and give me the words to say. So he said, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And of course, it all goes back to verse number 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So you don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have a lot of things that the world thinks that a Christian ought to have or ought to be. You don't have to have your Bible memorized. You don't have to have a lot of things like that. Of course, you should memorize your Bible. You ought to do those things. But you don't have to be a spiritual giant. You don't even have to, be, you don't even have to aim to be a spiritual giant. Just be prepared. Just do right. Just do the things that you ought to do. And the Bible says if you do these things, you're going to have God's power and God's might. And so he says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The devil's going to be throwing darts at you. And it's going to look bad from time to time. Well, if, if I'm a Christian and God loves me, why does these bad things happen? That's when you're going to need faith. To trust that God is with you and God is on your side. Amen. We talked about some of those things last week. But taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you got protection on your head. That when I, I think when he talks about that helmet of salvation, what he's really talking about is assurance of salvation. And that's, that's where you think at, I guess, up there in your brain. You, God's put the, the centerpiece of your spirit right there in your head. And, of course, people, uh, you know, uh, uh, credit the brain with the ability to think and all that stuff. But at any rate, whatever how that works, I think when he says put on the helmet of salvation, that security right there, that assurance to know you're saved. Now, if you're walking around wondering, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or I don't know if I'm going to hell, you're not going to be much good to somebody else. If you don't even know if you're going to heaven... How are you going to be able to help somebody else? So he says, put on the helmet of salvation. The the reason that I'm so sure that I'm going to heaven is because I'm not going by my own righteousness, but I'm trusting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm certain about that fact. I'm certain from the scripture. I'm certain from the spirit of God working through through the scripture that I'm on my way to heaven. So the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, a lot of people think that ends the armor of God, but it doesn't end the armor of God. Verse number 8 says, uh, says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And for me, pray for me, he says also, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let me go ahead and pray right there. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these scriptures. And uh, Lord, I kind of sped through that whole armor of God part because I I believe you want me to speak about something different tonight. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ready to preach. Help us, God, to get in a habit of doing right things. And then help us, God, to have faith in you, to trust, dear God, that no matter if we do have to go through uh, some type of tribulation here on this earth because of our stand, because of our beliefs, help us, dear God, to stand firm in that, knowing that our salvation comes 
comes from you. And then, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would help us, Lord, to carry our Bibles, to know the truth, that we'd be prepared to speak, God, when the opportunity arises. And then, Lord, help us to remember after all these things, God, to pray and to watch, uh, Lord, to the same. When we pray, to also watch for you to do something for us or or in regards to those prayers. Help us, I I pray. Lord, before we get into the sermon, I pray you'd help Heidi tonight. Lord, Nathan and Heidi are out, God, and that's usually not the case. Uh, But Lord, I pray that you would watch over them. Uh, Lord, we have many sick, dear God, not the least of which is Brother Louis. I pray, God, that you would help him and watch over him tonight. Raise him up, oh God, is my plea. Lord, help us tonight for the remainder of the service, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, verse number 18. Now, of course, in that armor, that, that covers from your head. Uh, on down to your on down to your uh, feet. It talks about the uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It only left out one area, and that's your knees there, your, your, the knees. And so, what what you say? What's that all about? Well, you're supposed to be on your knees, amen. You're supposed to be praying. Nobody can hit you in the knee, amen. And that's one of the that's one of the worst things to do. When you're playing basketball or something, somebody kick you in the shin. That's about the worst thing you can do. That just about hurts worse than a sock in the nose, don't it? A sock in the nose hurts pretty bad. But getting kneed in the shin or kicked in the shin, that's pretty bad. Little kid, kick you in the shin. Boy, that'll hurt you. That'll do some damage right there. But your knees are protected because you're down on your knees praying. Amen? He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so I looked at that stuff and looked at those things. And before I talk about it, you notice he says, Prayer and supplication. I'm glad he said that because that gave me the thought, hey, well, there's prayer and there's, there's this supplication thing. So I want to uh, go through and look at some of these things. Gave me the kind of the idea for the sermon. Just some quick thoughts here tonight. But before I do that, he says, uh, prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there too with all perseverance. And then he uses the word supplication again. But he said perseverance. Now, perseverance just being able to stick with it in hard circumstances. Sometimes you're going to pray and hard circumstances is going to rise anyway. So, well, oh God, if you cared about me, well, then you wouldn't let me. So that's not the right way to go. He says, not only you to pray in prayer and supplication, but you're also to pray with perseverance. Perseverance. So you're, to go, you're going to go through some things sometimes. And God's timing is not always our time. And we'd like for God to deliver us out of things right now or do something for us right now. But sometimes God is not going to do it that way. God's going to allow us to go through things. So never forget when you pray in perseverance. You may be praying for somebody to get saved. Well, go ahead and keep praying. So we've been praying for 10 years for somebody. to get, Well, keep praying. Yeah. Amen. Are they dead yet? Amen. If they're not dead, they're still alive. Then they still need to be saved. Then you still need to be praying. Amen. And so God gives the illustration over in the Gospels about a, uh, about a woman who keeps coming back to the judge. And the Bible says the judge was even an unjust judge. But he said the woman kept coming and kept coming. And so finally, the, the Bible says the judge answered her request not because he wanted to take care of her. Not because he cared about what she cared about. But he said just because she kept coming back. Because of her importunity. And so God God likened that even though he was talking about an unjust judge. Talking about himself. He's not an unjust judge. He is a just judge. So if an unjust judge would relent 
and give somebody something. But just because they kept coming back, then think about what God, a righteous God, would do. God's going to do the right thing. God may not do it in your time, but God is going to do the right thing. And of course, let me say this, and I should say this anytime you're talking about prayer. God's going to do the right thing, and the right thing isn't always what we think it should be. Now, we've, we think we've got things figured out. Now, Lord, if it was just this way, then everything would work out right. You don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes if you had your way, things would be a lot worse. How many of you can think back in your life where things went your way and it was the worst thing that ever could have happened? You better put your hand down. (laughs) Not you. Everything's went perfectly for you, young lady. (laughs) Oh, I want to get married. (laughs) Stop thinking that way. (laughs) No, but sometimes you get get your way and it won't be the best thing for you. Amen. You know that as well as I do. (laughs) You know that as well as I do. You've got your way sometimes and it didn't work out right. Amen. Uh, But at any rate, so you just trust God and and sometimes he might say no. Amen. Sometimes the answer might be no. And so that's where some of that perseverance, sometimes it is hard to persevere. Even if we say we believe in God. And even if we say we love God. And even if we say we're submitted to God. Sometimes when God does things not exactly the way we would do it, or should I just say against our will, sometimes we get mad at God. Many people in the Bible who we regard as great people, they weren't always in agreement with the way that God done things. Or the way that God, uh, and, but what, the great thing about those great men is they, they took a little time and got over those things and, and got in line with God. You're not going to agree with everything that God does. We are, we are sinful men. We have sinful flesh. And our flesh is not going to always agree with God's way. Or like the way God, think, God thinks about things. But the thing about that is, if we recognize that God is who He says He is, and that God is God and we are just men, then from time to time in our life, we're going to have to adjust our position from our own opinion to God's opinion. And that's what we call Christian growth. If you say, God do this for me, and God says no, that's an opportunity for you to grow grow and adjust yourself and probably you'll have a better mindset afterwards because you're now looking at things the way God's looking at things. So that's a way for you to grow. When God's, in a, I, I don't like not getting an answer to prayer any better than you do. And so I'm not saying that I like it or, or that, that I have all the answers, but I do know this, whenever God says no and I adjust my position to His, then I've grown as a Christian. Then next time, when I don't get my way, it's a little bit easier to handle. Amen. Sometimes that's most of the battle right there, isn't it? Just being able to put up with no. (laughs) Uh, I like trying to raise my children and see how they react to no. Amen. Sometimes I'm a little bit sneaky and they'll ask me for something I'll say no. And all I'm doing is waiting to see how they're going to react to it. And not every time, but a lot of the time they react the right way and I say, well, okay. I'll let you do that. Or I'll give you that, whatever the case may be. But sometimes I just say no just to see how well they react. And I know probably my mom and dad did that to me, but I wasn't smart enough to catch on. Amen. They'd tell me no, and I'd pitch a fit and do a lot of stupid things, and therefore I got left out in a lot of things. I just know that's the way it is, because I didn't always react good to no. Especially when I got up about 14, 15, thought I knew everything. Amen. 
Amen. God help us in that way. But now let's look at these different ways of praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. So in one case, there's supplication in the Bible. If you look that up in the dictionary, it simply means asking or begging for something earnestly and humbly. That's supplication. When you're praying and asking God for something, you say, hey God, give me that. That's not supplication. You say, oh God, I I deserve to, to have this thing. That's not supplication. But when you say, God, would you please give me that? Oh, God, I know I'm not worthy of this, but would you give it to me? That's, that's humility. That's lowering yourself. And maybe you even ought to lower yourself to accept rejection of your prayer before you even, before you, before God even answers. Say, now, Lord, I want to pray for this, but I'm not even going to pray for it. <laughs> Just kind of slip it in it. Humility, right? Lord, I was going to ask you for this. And just be honest with him. Lord, I was going to ask you for it. But I realize I've done that just this week. I said, Lord, I just don't deserve what I'm about to ask you for. You know what I want, God. But Lord, I just don't deserve it. I just left it at that. You know what? The Lord gave me what I was looking for. You say, what is that? That's supplication. That's presenting yourself humbly to God. And I realize he don't say you have to just turn it down and all that. But what I'm saying is, when you get a humble attitude, really, you're your own self will be honest. If you're honest with yourself, you'll go ahead and admit, I don't, I don't necessarily deserve that. All right, you know, but this is something that's in your power. It's not in my power at all, God. And I pray that you, it's humility. It's praying in humility. It's asking God for something or begging God for something in an earnest manner. That's what supplication is. God, help us. God, please help us. Oh, God, help us. Just begging. We don't like to beg. We talked about a beggar this morning about Lazarus. Nobody wants to be Lazarus. Everybody talks about what a wonderful uh, thing Lazarus is. And Lazarus come out on top. And oh, what a wonderful uh, way that Lazarus was, was uh, you know, God justified him. God brought him. God made him. God brought him out on top while the rich man got put low. Well, nobody wants to be. No, I've never seen. No, I want to be Lazarus. I heard people say, I want to be David. <laughs> I want to be a Elijah. I want to be an Apostle Paul. I want to be like that. I want to have experiences like that. Nobody's ever said, I think I'll be Lazarus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a humble position, amen? Humble position. Well, God, Lazarus was a beggar. And you're going to have to realize that in God's sight, God is a rich man. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But God is not an unjust rich man like the rich man in Lazarus. But God is, he owns everything. He has power over everything. He can arrange anything. And we're just lowly pawns. God's estimation. Amen. Compared to God. When we compare ourselves among ourselves, the Bible says we're not wise. But if we compare ourselves among ourselves, one of us may have more money, one of us may have more prestige, one of us may have more power. When we judge ourselves among ourselves, we may be pretty big men or pretty big women. But when we compare ourselves to God, we're nothing. So the best way to approach God is through humility. Amen. So he says, so he says it's, it's supplication, asking or begging for something earnestly and humbly. And so what you're really doing is you're longing for grace. God, I know I don't deserve it, but be graceful to me. Help me with this situation. Help me with these things. God, this person needs saved. God, please save them. Please save them. You remember when you asked your mama, can I do this? And she said no. Oh, please. 
Well, do the begging before he says no. Amen. Just say, God, please help me with these things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's supplication. God expects it from time to time. Amen. A lot of times we approach God now. God, I want you to do such and such. There is a time for praying like that. But it's not every time. I'm going to give you two or three different ways to pray here. But you shouldn't pray. There's not one way that you ought to pray every time you pray. Of course, we'll go over these things. But intercession, there's, there's supplication and intercession. And then there's fervent, bold prayer. And those are three different ways to pray. But you're not going to pray the same way every time. And so what do you do? Well, you start out uh, bold and that doesn't work. I would try humble. Amen. Uh, if I started out with fervent prayer and that wasn't working, I might switch on over to supplication style prayer. Amen. There's just one way doesn't work. You might want to change. Then after a couple, couple of times, uh, you know, you might get the picture that he's saying no. Some, in some case, like uh, in some case, like somebody needing to be saved, you might try a combination. Until they get saved. Amen. You go ahead and somebody, if they're still alive and there's still a possibility they can be saved, you can pray for that. No matter if you get an answer or not, just keep praying. Now, if you're praying about getting a new job and, and you know, and somebody else gets that job, it's time for you to stop praying. Right. Amen. You know, you don't go down there and shoot the place up. That's right. Amen. You, you do right. You do the right thing. You don't, don't know what comes down the road. God might do something for you. Amen. You know, I've went and applied for a job and somebody else got it. Somebody's cousin got it or something like that, probably for all I know. Just accept the thing and say hallelujah and glory to God. Go on down the road. You don't know. Sometimes those things have opened up later. Got the thing later. So sometimes the answer might just be no for right now. So at least when you're praying, uh, consider the fact that maybe you ain't been asking right. And sometimes you got to ask God sometimes you beg for God but then in other times intercession and the word intercession means the act of of, uh, of intervening on behalf of another the Bible says God makes that Christ is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I in other words God is talking uh, God the Son in respect to his position as God the Son is dealing with God the Father in respect for uh, in respect of us and, and the things that we need. When you pray, the Bible says you have an advocate, and that's Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Jesus is our go-between. Now, in intercessory prayer, you're being a go-between for somebody else. And so sometimes, you know, you, you're going to know somebody or you're going to see somebody that really don't know what they need or maybe they're not wise enough to see their needs or maybe they don't understand spiritual things. They don't know what they need and maybe you know better than they do. I'm not trying to make you blow your head up, but maybe it is that you see something that somebody else don't see and maybe they're not even praying for their self. Maybe they don't even know they ought to be praying. Well, when you're praying for them, you're making intercessory prayer. Praying for somebody to be saved is intercessory prayer. And so what you want to do is when you see somebody's needs, you say, God, help them with this, 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 and this. Every day when I go around, I pray for the congregation. And you know, I may never say nothing to you about it. I may never preach a sermon about it unless God tells me to do it. 
But I may see something that you need or something that, as individuals. I may see something that would improve your life and I'll just pray God, do this for them. Help them to see this. Help them to do this. And that's intercessory prayer. Now God, they need this and they need that. And they need this and they need that. They need this. Whatever the case may be. And so you do that. Whether it's groceries or uh, character or whatever the case may be. Whatever it needs. Faithfulness. Whatever it is. You're praying for somebody else. To get the benefit from God. You're not intercessory prayer is never about yourself. And you ought to have that kind of prayer. A lot of Christians in this day and time spend time only praying for themselves. I need this, and Lord, you know I'd benefit by that, and help me with this and my and this and my and that and my that's not the only way to pray, folks. Amen. Supplication. Praying for others, praying for others, praying for others. And you'll find this that the more the more intercessory prayer that you do the more you'll feel like you're getting through to God. And then the more intercessory prayer that you do, you'll find you're actually praying for yourself less and less. And you ought to pray for yourself. Nobody should say, no, if you ever hear somebody say, never pray for yourself. That's foolishness. You know yourself better than anybody else. You know you need prayer. But what I'm saying is the more prayer that you do for others, when you're sincerely praying for the needs of others, you'll begin to see which one of your needs are really worth praying for. So the prayers that you pray for yourself will become better quality prayers. You won't be praying about the lottery, in other words. You'll be praying about your spiritual condition. And the real priority physical things, like taking care of your family and being a better dad or a better pastor such as that, your personal prayers will become better quality prayers if you're praying more for others than you are for yourself. Because if you're sincerely, now if you're holier than thou, Lord, you know Brother Jeff needs to get right with God. If that, that kind of prayer right there, you're just hurting yourself. You're just making yourself look like a big dummy. God's up in heaven going, you a big dummy. Amen. When you're talking about how bad everybody else is and what a wonderful person you are, God is in heaven saying, you're a big dummy. <laughs> that's the kind of people that God was talking about when he said when you think you're something and you're, you're really nothing when you think you've arrived you ain't even got to the bus stop yet Amen. that's what the Lord's talking about when you think you're wise you're a big dummy when you think, you've, when you think you're a great Christian when you think highly more highly of yourself than you ought to think he said you're nothing you're nothing. And so when you, begin to, when you begin to pray for other people's needs sincerely, God, help Brother Jeff because he needs this, that, or the other thing. Help him, God, because he needs it. Then you're able to see yourself. You might even say, well, wait a minute. I need that too. And so God, help me with that. So you've got that. When I pray for other preachers, I always pray for this church first. I pray for the needs of this church. I pray for the individuals in this church. I pray for the finances of the church. Then I pray for my own finances and for my own home. And then I start praying for, and I pray it the same. It's not vain repetition. I don't say the same words over and over. But I pray the same way every time that I pray. The last thing that I pray for is for the other preachers that I know. And you know what? Because I know what's going on right here in this place, I also know what's going on in their place. I may have never been to their church before. I've never been to my brother Glenn Stocker's church in Texas. Never been to Texas. So you know I've never been to his church. But because I know what I need here, I also know what he needs out there. No difference. There may be different situations, but that man has the same pastoral needs that I do. Now, if that's true, isn't it also true that he probably has the same needs at his house as I do? Sure, he's got children. He's got a wife. 
He's got a roof on his house. He's got, well, his needs are probably the same as mine then. Well, that's the way that you pray. When you recognize true spiritual needs, then you can be sure. If I pray for the true spiritual needs of my house, then I can be sure that the same needs are going on down at Brother Spike's house. The very same ones. Different situations, I'm sure different situations. Different people, different personalities, but I guarantee the needs are the same at Brother John's house as they are at Brother Chris's house, as they are at Brother Spike's house, as they are at Brother Pedro's house. If there's a husband and wife involved, there's some kind of fussing going on sometime or another. So the needs are the same. And I don't know what the needs are. I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on. But because I'm praying, God says, aha. God gives me one of them aha moments. Hey, they probably need the same thing I do. And I probably need the same thing I do. When I'm praying for somebody else and I say, well, Lord, that ain't exactly right. Oh, wait a minute. Let me check my back door too. So that's it, it works both ways that way. Intercession, though, for other people will make the quality of the prayers that you pray for yourself much, much better. But make no mistake about it, intercession has nothing to do with you. God bless them people because you know if you bless them, it probably will flow down to me. That's not intercessory prayer. You're thinking about yourself that way. Thinking about yourself that way. So make sure when you're praying for other people, you leave yourself out of it. Well, if I, if Lord, if you bless them with the contract, I might not get that contract. And don't think that way. You're supposed to pray rightly, amen, for the benefit of others. The act of intervening on the behalf of others. And of course, like I said, it goes for praying for people to get saved. It goes for every aspect of just praying for other people. And then last but not least, fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. The Bible says, The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Of course, there's a couple of conditions on there. The effectual fervent prayers of a man. It doesn't say that. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man. Righteous man. You say, well, I believe that's just the imputed righteous. Because I'm saved, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe when he says a righteous man, I'm talking about a man that's doing right, that's doing the right way. You say, why do you believe that? Well, because in the, in the, when, when you go, and we've read this verse many times when we pray over people and anoint people, we read the prayer and it says, they pray over the sick and you confess your faults and your sins will be forgiven then. Is that what it says? Well, there's something involved in doing right and doing wrong. You're called for the elders of the church, and those elders are to pray. Those elders are to be elders that are doing right. It's not talking about old people. The elders in the church, when you're reading in your Bible, in some places it is talking about older people. When you get into First uh, Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus, and when you get over in the book of Peter where he's talking about the administration of things, and he says elders, he's talking about people that are in positions of authority. And so he said, call for those elders of the church. And those elders of the church shouldn't be shooting pool at the pool hall at 1230 half drunk on Saturday night and then preaching on Not talking about people that are just doing what they want to do. It's talking about righteous men. So he said, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And so he said, what he's saying is, is there's some authority involved there. And if you're doing right and being the Christian that you ought to do, then there's going to be times when, like the book of Hebrews said, you can come before the throne of grace boldly. Now that's a different kind of prayer than supplication. Remember supplication was begging. 
Humility. Well, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. He says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Come boldly before the throne of grace. Supplication is humility. Fervency is victorious. Come boldly before the throne. You know what boldness is, don't you? Boldness is when you was in high school and that fellow stood up to you, you stood back up to him. I'm not going to let you run over me. The bully said, I'm going to bust your mouth. He said, well, go ahead and bust. That's boldness. Amen? Boldness is, uh, you know, I take my girls out. We go to Burger King sometime. And I notice they'll step up to the lady at the cash register and they'll say, <laughs> and the lady behind the counter, she's looking at me and she don't want to, you know, some people say I got kind of a mean look all the time. They'll look at me like they want to say to my kid, speak up, kid. <laughs> Then they'll look at me and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> and they say, I want to imagine. So I tell them, I say, speak up and tell them what you want. Oh, pack a cheese, my man. That's boldness. I mean, go out there. That lady, ain't, she wants your money. She ain't going to be mad at you for ordering. Step up there and say, I want two cheeseburgers. Hey, give me a senior discount on that <laughs> but you're only 12 give it to me anyway <laughs> uh, the customer's always right don't argue with me just give me the seniors discount <laughs> hey if you got to make them go argue with the manager about it they want a senior discount but they're only 12 hey put them in back hey man put them on the defensive hey man customer is always right right hey Hey, what are you talking about, Brother Mike? Boldness. <laughs> I'm going to buy one, get one free cheeseburgers today. Well, that's on Wednesday, sir. What's the difference in Wednesday? <laughs> they had a thing at McDonald's. You could get, buy one, get one free on Wednesday. Go ask them for one on Thursday. That's only on Wednesday, sir. You're stupid. <laughs> What's the difference in Thursday and Wednesday? Nothing. You're not going to give me the... <laughs> You're not going to give me the free one? No. no. Well, you're stupid then. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so what is that? Boldness. That's telling them what you want. Of course, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't cause a scene for nothing. But that is boldness. That is boldness. Amen. Just tell them what you want. Amen. Tell them what you want. My mom will do that. I've never seen nobody to beat my mama. She's bold, man. She'd go in the restaurant, she'll stand by a table. If that's where she wants to sit and the table's dirty, she'll stand there. Lady will come over, what's the matter? Table's dirty. Oh, I'm sorry. And she don't say it like, the table is dirty. She'll say, the table's dirty. And she'll sit there and sit, be sitting there. And, and Lord, I, sometimes I just drop my... I'm ashamed to eat with her sometimes. The waiter will come by. There'll be 500 people in a restaurant designed to serve 30 people. And these poor ladies are falling over themselves trying to get things done. And this lady will come by. And Mama will go, hey! My coffee's cold. Bold. She's bold. She's going to tell you what she wants, boy. I want to... 
I ordered five minutes ago. My food's not here. That's just the way she is. And then she'll get up and leave. Me and my brothers got on her big time. She'll get up to leave a place and she'll leave a quarter for a tip. That ain't right right there. Boy, you're supposed to get, help them ladies out. They're working hard, man. They make $2 an hour. You're supposed to tip them folks. Amen. My, mama, you need to get This ain't 19. Well, that's what we always give a quarter. Like this, that 1950, a quarter was like $10. <laughs> you need to come on into the new age. You need to get internet or something. <laughs> There's some things that's changed since the 1950s. You know, leave the lady a tip or something. Amen. I try not to leave anything less than $5, you know, but unless I'm in a Mexican restaurant. I never tip at a Mexican restaurant. Never do. Amen. They've skipped the fence and come up here and ain't none of them legal. They can fend for themselves. Amen. My tip to folks in Mexican restaurants is paying for their medical bills when they go to the hospital for free. And if they stop you on the way, uh, they've said something on the way, he didn't tip. I turn around and say, you're here illegal. <laughs> he didn't tip. You're an illegal. You want to you have great fun? I love Mexican restaurants, don't y'all? Yeah, amen. You want to have great fun? Wear a Border Patrol hat. <laughs> Shave your face up good and clean like you're, you know, like you're a professional type person. And wear, a, you know, immigration thing when you, when you go. Well, it's great fun. You might get your meal for free. Oh, we love you. <laughs> Amen. But we're talking about fervent, we're talking about fervent, bold prayers. The Bible says you can come before the throne of grace. It is a throne of grace. You've got to realize that. When you're being bold in your prayers, remember it is a throne of grace. You get to come there because God has done something for you to begin with. Not because you've done anything. But you know as God's son, you know if my children come to me and they ask me for something, they might ask in a totally different manner. If I was to do this, and I've done, we've done this all. When, when I was a boy, it seemed like they used to do things people don't have to do these days. When I was a boy, mom was forever sending me next door to bar of sugar. Or flour. People used to do that. Then they loan stuff. I don't remember ever sending my children anywhere to borrow anything. But I know this. I know this. If I were to come into my house and ask my mama, my mama's a bad example to use. But I would, I would probably ask one way. Hey, can I get some Kool Aid? And make no mistake about it. In my house, when I was growing up, we asked for stuff like that. Now I'm not that hard. If my kids want Kool Aid, they know where the refrigerator is. Amen. Uh, now, they do got to ask me before they drink one of my coats, though. I mean, but listen, if you think about it, when you go to your mom and daddy and ask for something, and you go to your next door neighbor and ask for something, there's probably a little bit different approach to it. Oh, yeah. Daddy, pass me the sugar. Go to the next door neighbor. Would you mind, please? Mama said she'll pay you back day after tomorrow. <laughs> You're talking to somebody else's mama. Does that make sense? Well, you're God's son. And the Lord told you, it's the throne of grace, but He said, come on in boldly. He said, you need help? You need grace to help in time of trouble? Just come in there and say, Lord, Daddy, Father, help me out. 
Bible says you can do that. Now, you don't do that every time you pray. I've done said. There's different ways to pray at different times. And you ought to have the right prayer for the season. Amen? But in a lot of cases, you can come before God and just come in before the throne of grace boldly. Bow the knee and say, God, I really need some help right now, God. Help me, God. That's boldness. God, I'm your son. Help me. You know, David did kind of that same thing. He said, Lord, you know our frame. He said, you know what we're made out of. Well, that's kind of on the bad side. You know how bad we are. That's what David said. Well, on the good side of that equation, you can say, Lord, you know I'm your son. The devil might say, you might not be his son. You say, I know I'm his son. Amen. Be bold about it. Remember that helmet of salvation, that assurance? I know I'm your son. Lord, I know I ain't done a lot of things right, but I'm your son. Amen. I think bold, fervent prayers use a lot of Scripture. I think you use a lot of Scripture in a bold, fervent... Jesus sat down with His disciples and He said, and He's got a lot of other people around Him too, but He said, He said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your child. He said, if your son asks you for a fish, you won't give him a stone. Who said that? Who said that? Jesus that said that. Pull it on Him. Jesus, now you know, you said that us evil men, if our kids ask us a fish, we wouldn't give them a stone. Now Lord, where's my fish? Somebody said, Brother Mike, I don't know. I don't know if I... You're using the Scripture, ain't you? See, there's some... We're talking about the effectual fervent prayers... Not of a guy that's laying out of church three times a week. The effectual fervent prayers of a man that's doing right. You know, God had a pretty... I mean, Abraham was just a man. Moses was just a man. But these men, God had a high estimation of these men. Hmm? Some of them stood up and said something to God like this. They said, Will not the God of all the earth do right? That's pretty bold. God said, Moses, you step aside. I'm going to burn all these people. Moses said, whoa. Lord, if you do that, then people down there in Egypt, you think God didn't know that stuff? You think God never thought of that? You think Moses is instructing God on how to do things? Moses said, God, if you do that, all them people down there in Egypt, they're going to say, you didn't know how to bring your people out and get them to the... God knew all that stuff. And if Moses was laying out of church twice a week and drinking beer on the side, God might have said, boy, talk back to me. I'll do what I want to do. But that ain't what Moses was a righteous man. When they stepped up and they said, will not the God of all the earth do right? You know, God come down and said, Abraham, look out there at Sodom and Gomorrah. Look how evil they are. I'm going to burn them all. Abraham looked down there and remembered his nephew was down there. He said, now wait a minute. Won't you go down there? And if you found some righteous people down there, wouldn't you, wouldn't you save them? Will not the God of all the earth do right? Ain't you going to do right? God, there might be some righteous people down there. Of course God knew who was down there, didn't He? Yeah. Well, what gave 
Abraham the boldness to stand up and say, Hey, God, ain't you going to do right? He couldn't have done that if he'd never been praying. He couldn't have done that if he didn't have a relationship with God. Listen, if you got a, if you, listen, I know that you know that everything ain't right in your life. But I also know you know whether or not you've been trying or not. And I know whether or not you know you've been applying yourself or not. You may not have everything fixed, and I don't have everything fixed in my life, but I know when I'm trying and when I ain't. And when you're doing the right thing, when you're doing to the best of your ability the right thing, God said you was able to step boldly into the throne of grace and say, God, I need this thing. This is the way it needs to be right now. Sometimes God will let you have those things. Sometimes God will answer those prayers. Before. Just remember it is a throne of grace. It's a great blessing and a great privilege for you to be there, to be able to ask those. But you know, sometimes you come in like a son. Sometimes you've got to do it like a servant, supplication. Sometimes you pray like a son. Amen? Sometimes you pray for others. Don't, you don't have to pray for others every prayer. You don't have to pray for yourself every prayer. You don't have to be bold every prayer. You don't have to be humble like a church mouse every prayer. But you can sit down and pray about it and figure it out and find out which type of prayer you ought to use. And then use it. You say, what if it don't work? Try another. Amen? Try another. Paul said that he asked the Lord for healing three different times over this thorn in the flesh. He said he prayed about it three times. You say, Brother Mike, uh, does that mean we all get to pray three times before we quit praying? No, God told him after three times. In other words, what it's trying to say is, is God will make it real to you when the answer is no. You think there's a God in heaven? You think he hung the stars and the moon? You think... Don't you think He knows? If you're really sincere in praying to Him, don't you think He knows how to make it real to you what His answer is? Well, you know, God don't speak in an audible voice, so I just don't know what to do. You'll know. You'll know. And maybe that's a spiritual transaction that I don't fully know how to, under, un, to explain how God deals with the hearts of men. But you'll know when it's no. Paul said, I, he said, I sought after God three times because of this thorn in my flesh. And he said, no, I ain't going to heal it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you though. God will let you know when it's time to stop praying about a specific thing. Amen. Supplication. Intercession. And then that fervent, bold prayer. Add them to your life. Add these things to your life and pray about these things. Amen. Christians should should, uh, hold all these good attitudes. You ought to be pious, but you don't have to pray in piety all the time. You should be uh, humble, but you don't pray in humility all the time. You should have assurance, but sometimes you're not going to pray boldly. Sometimes you're going to, like I said, be humble and and, uh, use supplication. It's a blend of all those things, amen, at the appropriate season. When it's time to be humble, you be humble. When it's time to be bold, you be bold, amen, amen. Amen. Just give you one example and then I'll quit. Got something wrong in your body? I'd be humble about that, amen. Got somebody that needs to be saved and you know they need to be saved and you know that God, it's already God's will for that thing to happen. Hey, you don't have to pray if it's God's will for you to witness to somebody. 
God, I'll witness to them if it's your will. You might pray over timing. That's, we're, that's what we're praying over these names right here. We're praying for God to give us the right time and the right opportunity. We're praying about timing. But there ain't no use in saying, God, if it's your will, save these people. It is God's will. Yeah. That's sealed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know about those things. So something that you know, I mean, if it's about your healing, then I'd be humble about that. But if it's about somebody getting saved, I'd go in there with your coat on. God, save his folks. They don't get saved next week. Oh, God, I ask you to save God. Save them, please. <laughs> yeah. Add a please in there, even if you are being humble, amen. Even if you are being bold. Listen, if it's God's will, go ahead and lay down on it. Yeah. Amen. I mean, charge. Amen. Yeah. You know the things God's will, then you know. Hey, next, you think it's, uh, you think it's uh, God's will that we have a great service next week? Or you think it's God's will that we, you know, uh, have a dud? Which one do you think is God's will? Well, hit that thing boldly this week. Monday night. God, you know we're going to be in here next Wednesday night. Unless the rapture takes place. But God, you know we're going to be in here. God, you know these people are going to come. It might be the same 15 of us. Or it might be the extra 5. Or it might be 20 or 25 in your Wednesday night. But lay it on us, God. Let's go about that. Because yeah. you, you know it's His will. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Now, let's see how we ought to pray this prayer. Lord, should I come to church? <laughs> I'd hit that one humbly if I was you. Because <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, you know the, uh, the answer to that one, don't you? Amen. I, I'd hit that one very humbly. Amen? I thought that'd be a funny joke right there. <laughs> Amen. You don't even need to pray about some things like that. Amen. You just come. Just come. You know somebody needs to be saved? You know how to pray about that. Amen. Oh God, help them. Help them. Has to do with your health or something like that or something like that. You go ahead and humble yourself. Amen. And you ought to be in some sense humble in every case. But I think you've got the message tonight. I think you've understood it well. You say, Brother Mike, let me say this one last thing. Brother Mike, I don't really pray that often. Is it important for me to pray every day? It certainly is. It certainly is. I've heard just about as many different formulas as there is pages in the Bible about how to pray three times a day, pray at morning and night, pray an hour, pray three hours. Pray. I've heard many people say, uh, I've heard some people say, pray about your family in the morning, pray about yourself in the afternoon, pray for, uh, pray for uh, folks that are not your family and not yourself in the evening. I've heard some people say, well, pray for the church in the morning, pray for your family in the afternoon, pray for other churches in the evening. I've heard it put all kinds of different ways. Amen. What I would say is this. God likes sincerity more than formulas. Amen. So whatever you pray about, I would pray every day. If you're going to pray in the morning, if you're going to pray at morning and night, if you're going to pray at morning and evening, whatever you're going to do, be sincere. That's how you ought to pray. Morning, evening, at noon, three times a day, as they did in the book of Daniel. I'm not too worried about that. Brother Mike, you think I'm out of the will of God if I don't pray three times a day? I don't pray three times a day. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Many of the time I say, God help me, but I'll be behind the wheel. But I try to dedicate plenty of time in prayer one time a day. It might be early in the morning. It might be 12 o'clock at night, but I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And it's usually a significant amount of time because pray for everything at one time. There's a lot of stuff to pray about. Amen. 
So I'm not going to tell you if you don't pray three times a day, you're out of the will of God. I don't have any formula. The only formula I have for prayer is be sincere when you pray. Amen? Be sincere when you pray. And if you're sincere when you pray, and if you make these prayers as they ought to be prayed, maybe fervent, maybe bold, maybe humble, maybe just praying for others, If you once you begin to pray that way and pray sincerely and see God answer prayers, I guarantee your prayer life will increase. It's just, it's just almost, it's almost natural. I mean, I know it's an unnatural and super, supernatural thing. Prayer is, but it's almost natural for a man when he gets a benefit from something that he does more of. Yeah. Amen. People don't go fishing because they never, they never caught a fish before. I hadn't caught a fish the last three times that I've been fishing, but I keep going back because I have caught a fish before. I know what it's like. Amen. Uh, if I'd been fishing. If I went fishing seven or eight times and never caught nothing, I don't believe I'd go back. I don't believe there's no such thing as a fish. i never seen one. <laughs> Amen? That's about the way I feel about hunting deer. I've seen a couple on the side of the road, but I'm not sure those were real. <laughs> Brother Chris loaned me his camera thing, and I hung one up out there in the woods, and there was a picture of a deer on there. But every time I've went hunting in my whole entire life, I've never seen a deer. I don't believe they're real. <laughs> Somebody, pro- I'm right out here. Listen, if I wanted to kill a deer, I could go out here on Highway 40 tonight. There'd be 500 of them out there. Yeah. But I swore you, if I got out and shot one, it would be one of them plastic things they put on your lawn. <laughs> you say, why is that? Because I've never seen one while I was hunting. That's just my luck, I guess. Just my luck. Same way with prayer. Once you see it working, once you do it the right way, and once you see you working, you'll be you'll be hooked. Yeah. You'll be hooked. Some of these boys they live for dogs. Well, you say, why well, my cousin up there in North up there in Virginia lost his dad last week in the hunting accident. Them boys are out in the woods. I mean, they work all day. Working on the lines, on the electric lines. They'll work all day from the time the sun up, comes up to the time, the time the sun goes down. They're working on them power lines. And they get down out of them power lines, go home and eat. And then get them coon dogs and go chase coons all night long. And then be ready up for work the next day. They die hard, boy. They die hard. They ain't complaining. Man, preacher, I tell you, I'd come to church because you don't know what kind of week I've had. They don't talk about coon hunting like that. Boy, we got time. I think we got time. <laughs> uh, it's winter time, man. There's extra hours of darkness. Let's go. Let's go coon hunt. They're all about it, man. You say they're not that they're not that way because they never got nothing before. They went out there and got them, and now it's in their veins. Oh, I gotta shoot a coon. I don't know why that ain't no good to eat. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's one of them things you explain. To sell them to somebody. I don't know. Anyway. You see what I'm saying, don't you? You do things the right way and you get the right result, you'll be praying more and more and more and more. Pretty soon, you'll be, man, all I want to do is pray. See God work. See God answer prayer. Old Don Green, he came up here and preached for us last time, last year. The older fellow that came and preached Thursday and Friday night, the man spends about six hours in prayer every day. 
Well, he don't got a lot to do. He can't get out and walk and stuff like that. But I've seen his prayer list and handled it. And he prays about those things every day. And when he goes to camp meetings, he don't go to morning service because he gets up early in the morning and starts praying. Then eats breakfast and goes back to praying. Then eats lunch. Gets done about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Just spends that time praying, praying, praying. He'll call me up every once in a while. Brother Mike, I just got done praying for you. Love you, man. And he's not, we're not personal close friends. He just prays for people. Gives him a better heart for people. Just wanted to call you and tell you God's good. Amen. Amen. Prayer change you. Prayer let help you check, uh, help others. Amen. Well, let's go. I've done preaching now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray, oh God, you give us a newfound love for prayer. Like I was talking about these boys hunting and stuff. God, once you get uh, once you get some success, it seems like it just gets in your bones, and that's all you want to do. And I pray, oh God, that you'd give our congregation here a little taste of what it's like to get prayers answered. And Lord, I've said some things about boldness tonight, and Lord, I realize that you're God and we're men and I realize dear God that some of these men in the Bible they had a special place and they were very righteous men dear God but I also realize Lord that they were men like we are and Lord that if we'll do the right thing God we can boldly ask you for the things especially when we know that it's your will already then Lord I pray you'd give us a special kind of Christian humility and Lord that you'd give us a special heart as a Christian God to pray for others Lord help us to realize that you are God and we are men Lord there's different kinds of ways to pray and some of them are as different as night and day one's great boldness and one's great humility Lord, I pray you'd give us the wisdom to know when is the right time to pray in the exact right way. Help us, dear God, with these things. Put it in our hearts to pray. Help us to spend more time in prayer. And then, Lord, I beg you one more time, God, to, to show these this congregation, dear God, the results of prayer. God, show them great answers to prayer. And we'll thank you for what you do. And then, Lord, as we close, I pray that you'd help these folks get to their homes safely and back again at the next appointed time. But, Lord, while we go, we think about Brother Louie in the hospital. We think about Heidi in her sick condition, dear God. We ask you to help these folks. No doubt there's folks here tonight that may be dealing with the remnants of a cold or a flu or different things. God, I pray you'd help them. But also, God, bless them for being here tonight. And Lord, make it a special blessing. We'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. You're dismissed.